I want to welcome all of you who are new to Jesus. Thank you for being here. This is awesome. I'm glad you're here. You're our guests, um, and we're grateful that you're on a journey um, exploring more of who God is and what the Bible's all about and who is Jesus. And so we hope you feel at home. We're glad you're here. And I didn't introduce myself. My name is Matthew. So if this is the first time we're meeting, hello. Uh, and what we're doing in these seven weeks, we're in a seven-week series. This is week two of a seven-week series. We're learning what it means to worship. And so we're in a series called Abide, A People Apprentice to Jesus in Worship. And really, this is part of an ongoing vision that we've had um, since 2018 to focus really deeply on what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Those of you who are new to Jesus, you might know that he had 12 disciples. Those are followers. Those who are trying to learn from Jesus how to live their life um, in, in accordance with God's will. And so discipleship was a big word. And a number of years ago, we realized that what discipleship is getting at in the New Testament is this idea of apprenticeship, the idea of coming under a master teacher who will teach you uh, the trade. And so Jesus is teaching us how to live our lives how to love God, and so we want to be apprenticed to him. And so these seven weeks, we're foc focusing specifically on worship. What does it mean to worship God? And we're looking at seven different postures of worship each, each of these seven weeks. And so last week, you'll remember, we looked at what it means to come to God hungry and thirsty, that there is this sense that in the world, very little satisfies you said, you know, Bruce Springsteen said, everyone has a hungry heart. And Mick Jagger says, I can't get no satisfaction. And there's a sense, these hungry hearts we have, we just cannot find satisfaction. And Jesus invites us to come to him, hungry and thirsty. And he promised that he would satisfy us. And so this week, we're, we're moving on to the topic of thankfulness thankfulness. And I want to let you know, before I dive into thankfulness, that we have paired each of these seven Sunday mornings with seven Wednesday nights. Seven Wednesday nights. So this last Wednesday was our first Wednesday night, and it's just worship. We open up the doors here, and we just come to worship. And just quick note, we won't be here this week. We'll be at our Aldergrove campus this week. So uh, if you've been interested to see this uh, beautiful campus that was donated to our church, and if you want to join in worship, just please join us 7 o'clock this Wednesday night. But the idea is that these Sundays and these Wednesdays are connected, and we're learning to be a worshiping people. And I just uh, drove here from Aldergrove. So I preached here at the Walnut Grove campus, and I just drove to Aldergrove to preach there. And I was just so encouraged by their worship, um, by the community, and I'm just so grateful for, for them. So yeah, join us at Aldergrove this Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Okay, thankfulness. Who's ready to talk about thankfulness? No one. No one is ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, for some of you, you might be thinking, well, that's a really simple topic. What is there to say? Um, and some of you might be going, oh, no, I think I have a problem with thankfulness. So here we go. Let's dive in. We're going to talk about a posture of thankfulness. And here on week two of the series, we want to worship with thankful hearts. Thankfulness offered to God can lead to this incredible reorientation of the heart. And I believe that it will lead us into a deeper, loving relationship with God. So today, we're going to learn to say two simple words, thank you. Can you guys just say it out loud? Thank you. Thank you. Beautiful. All right. Well, when I was preparing this, I was thinking about uh, a moment 
when I was truly grateful. Grateful in a way that like, you can only say thank you. There's like nothing else you can do, you just say thank you. And um, just a little background, my three children have really struggled with uh, breathing. Their lungs are not great. Um, they take after their father, my lungs aren't great. And so, um, you know, just puffers and uh, wondering if they have asthma. And so we watch other kids seem to get sick and bounce back a little bit quicker than our kids have bounced back. And over the years, there's just been this sense that um, our kids kind of take a little bit longer and it goes right to their lungs. And we've had many scary moments where we're wondering if they're, you know, they're breathing. And so they can barely get any breath in. in. And I know many of you, have, parents have experienced this. And, and so it's really a scary feeling. And so a few times we've had to call 911. Um, many times we've had to take them to Surrey uh, pe Pediatric. Um, and I just wanna say, when those firefighters walk in our front door and begin to care for our children, and then when those paramedics follow up and begin to care for our kids, and then when we take them to Surrey Peds and they take care of our kids, as a parent, like you know this feeling, all you can say is thank you, thank you. Thank you for giving my, my, my child air in her lungs, in his lungs. And it's weird because I wrote this illustration like uh, over a week ago when I was working on this message, but just last night it happened again and Tanya was um, at Surrey Peds for like something like five hours and um, Micah, our son, wasn't breathing very well. And so just, she, was, she just told me late last night, she was like, I'm so grateful for this team and the way they're caring for Micah, and uh, I got word this morning uh, that he's bouncing around this morning, so that's good. His, he can breathe now. <laughs> and it's, and, but those are those moments where you just like, all you can say is thank you. Thank you for giving my children breath back in their lungs. You know, thank you to all of you who work so hard, firefighters, paramedics, medical teams. Like, like you spent a lot of money to learn how to do this. You spent a lot of years learning to do this. Like, I think many of us in the room just wanna to say to all of you who are first responders, I mean, thank you. <laughs> like, that's a huge sacrifice of your life. Yeah, thank you. And we, like, you know, I don't know anything about medicine, <laughs> you know? Just, I was terrible at biology. I mean, I, th this would not have been a good career choice for me, right? Uh, to, to be anywhere near a hospital working. Um, so, so thank you, right, thank you. And, and when I was thinking about this, it just, it dovetailed beautifully with just this gift of God's spirit to us. Did you know that the spirit in the Greek is pneuma, in, in the Hebrew it's ruach, and it's God's, this image of spirit or breath, is the image of God coming to live in us. It's his Holy Spirit or his holy breath or the wind of God, right? Filling our lives so that you and I can live. Like, <gasps> we can live again. We have breath again. It's the breath of God coming to live in us. And he gives us life. See, the Spirit gives us life. And I wanna learn to practice thanksgiving um, for all that he has done to give me life. And so, let's begin with Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with what, Northlingley? Say it again. And his courts with praise. Give what? Praise. 
Thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And so we come, God, to you, uh, God of gods, and we just thank you for the way in which you have given us life. And we thank you for creation around us and we thank you for breath in our lungs and we thank you for the gift of friends and family and jobs and roofs over our head and food to eat. And we thank you for the mountains and the rivers and all that you have created. And God, we come to you mostly and we thank you for the cross and we thank you for the resurrection and we thank you for all that we have because of you and only you. And teach us to be a people that learns to say thank you. Amen. All right, so we're going to kind of begin our journey here with Jesus. And so we'll be in Luke chapter 17. If you have your Bible, you can go to Luke 17. We'll be focusing on verses 11 to 19. And we're picking up a story uh, with Jesus uh, as we learn to worship where he heals 10 people with leprosy in a village. He goes to a village, he heals 10 people with leprosy. And let's listen to the story, Luke 17, starting in verse 11. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So this is the word of the Lord. So Jesus heals ten people with leprosy. And only one runs back to say thank you. The one who came back was a Samaritan. And if you're new to Jesus, the Samaritans were the enemies of the people of Israel. The one least likely to come back comes back and is thankful to Jesus. Would you come back? Notice that the man who is thankful has two responses. Look at verse 15 and 16. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Notice notice his posture, two things. Praising God in a really little voice. Tiny little voice. Thanks, God. You know, no, loud voice. And he throws himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Loud voice and throws himself on the floor, thanking Jesus. Uh, Welcome to two postures of worship. (laughs) Loud voice, falling down in worship. Now, many of us would find this very strange because we've been taught to worship in a setting like this, like this, right? This is the, some of you grew up, I was about to name denominations, but I won't. (laughs) Some of you grew up, some of you grew up in certain denominations where you're just like, oh yeah, that was my church family. It's just like, Poof. and then, you know, no expect. Some of you grew up and it was just like, wow. It was like dancing and arms out and people cheering and, you know. And so we come from different traditions here in this room, right? Uh, you, each of you probably has a different upbringing um, uh, from, from different traditions. And some of you, 
you, you might be new to church and you're like, I don't know what my tradition is, right? I'm, I'm new to this. Well, what I want to do right now is just say, sometimes when we sing with a loud voice or when you watch people and their hands go up and you're like, what are they doing? Their hands are going up or they fall down and they're just on their knees. I want to just show you how natural and normal this is. It can seem kind of bizarre to some of us, but I just want to show you how natural it is. Because I want to just ask you the question, what would happen if somebody came to you, let's say your bank, your bank came to you, or they sent you a letter, and it was like, all your debts are covered. No more debts. What would you do? There you go. Yeah. You would, ch- you would sh- shout and cheer, and, uh, and then I think many of you would do like a little jig. And, and your friends and family had never seen that from you before. And it just kind of comes out, and everyone's like, wow, like... We're happy for you, but like we've never seen this in you and you're just doing some little dance and, uh, and you're not a dancer. And, and we're like, wow, this is unique and new, but yes, we're so glad your debts are canceled. How many of us would just feel this sense of, yeah, wanting to shout or scream? And how many of you feel this when you're at a sports event, right? Your team wins, your team scores a goal. What do you do? I don't, I don't think you do that. I, it's funny, I went to a hockey game the other day with uh, Micah and then Pastor Jeff and his son Carter. And people, strangers, I'm high-fiving. I've been a while since I've been at a pro team. You know, woo! I'm like, yeah, we're just, we're doing this. And uh, it was funny, a couple weeks ago, uh, our nephews and nieces are huge Flames fan, and they were at a Flames game in Calgary, and they showed us this video where my niece is like, they, Calgary scored a goal, and she's like, woo! And, boom, and it goes dark. <laughs> and she said, what happened was the guy behind her like fell on her and she fell forward another. And it's just like, yep, we're all just excited and we're going to tumble over each other in the stands. And, <laughs> and it's like, and it's normal in sports, but here it, you know, and, and yet, what do we have? We have the good news that Jesus like died for us, <laughs> gave his life for us and rose from the dead. And it's like, he's given us breath in our lungs. And, you know, and so sometimes when you see someone just like this, or they're on their knees, it's this sense of like, this is normal because <laughs> we're filled with thanksgiving. And, and, and keep it natural and normal, right? I th- some of our Christian traditions, it's like, if you're not doing that, it's weird. Or, or there's even a comparison game. It's like, wow, they're crying and they've got their hands up. And it's like, but then it's a, there's a show piece to it. This is not, that's not what we want, right? That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for just if it's genuine and if there's a sense of like, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I love you, you know? It's a natural response because we're grateful. C.S. Lewis says this, quote, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. So praise and thankfulness complete the enjoyment. It's almost like the good deed isn't done yet. You know that like music when it like, okay, this is where I'm getting a little, it's not my notes, but it's like you, you need like a final note. Is Corey in the room? Corey's in the room. Corey, what, how did, what is that called? It's like suspend, a resolve? Yes. Okay, like he's mumbling, but someone here said resolve. Okay, <laughs> but it's like, it, it doesn't resolve yet, right? Like it's just like, it doesn't, and then you're like left, uh, and that's what sometimes it feels like when you see something beautiful and you're like, who do I thank? 
this is amazing, like this is incredible. I love this. I, you know, I feel that with uh, Van Gogh, he's dead, but I love Starry Night, right? When I see Starry Night, I'm like, whoa, I wish I could thank him. Or when you see The Return of the Prodigal by Rembrandt, you're like, you wanna thank Rembrandt. It's a painting that has changed the world, you know? Or I mean, more practical, you eat a delicious meal, what do you do? Can you thank the cook? Oh, it's delicious. Never had anything like this before. Thank the cook. It's natural, it completes the enjoyment. Or a delicious latte, go to the barista. Thank you, this is delicious, you know? It's natural, so praise and thankfulness complete the enjoyment. And praise is the right response because praise is thankfulness in action. If you want a definition of praise, it's just thankfulness in action, right? Thanking God, it's a sign that we're not taking God for granted. And maybe just kind of underline that mentally, right? Not taking God for granted. It's a sign that we could not do a lot of this on our own and we need him in our life. And sometimes it's like, well, where do I start? Because life is pretty bad. You know, some of us are feeling this, right? Life is pretty bad, like relationally, work, financially. Like you start going through, you know, all kinds of things that are not good. And so like, where could we start figuring out how to do this? And one of the places that we, we as Christians can begin to, to start is in creation. Creation. To look around you at the mountains, at the rivers, at animals, at all kinds, and thank God for the beauty around us. It's funny, I say animals. Um, uh, our family bought a cat a number of weeks ago. And my wife and children love the cat. And I'm not so sure about the cat. And the cat is very cute. It was a, it's a kitten, I guess, still. It's a small cat. And it does its thing. And uh, I, he, this cat loves me. And is definitely not sensing the kind of no vibes that I'm throwing out <laughs> towards the cat. Loves to cuddle with me. And, um, you know, shows up unaware. Like, you don't know where the cat is. So, it's right there. And, uh, the other morning, I was having a very wonderful time with Jesus, praying, had my coffee out, and cat flies in the air out of nowhere to try to land on my coffee cup. Coffee goes all over the window and the wall and the curtains. Like, what were you doing? This, this, is, this is a little ledge. My coffee was on a little ledge. You can't land there. But I'm learning to practice thankfulness for all of God's beautiful creation including a cat. But really, I mean, honestly, I, I, am, I am, like, when I look at this cat, I'm like, wow, it is wonderful. Like, I mean, like, these animals are beautiful, right? And you are just like, it's, it's, it's quite incredible. And so when we're really struggling in life, how do we look at all of God's beauty? Because if you're a Christian, you believe that God is the great artist who made it all. And when you look at the mountains, you say thank you, <laughs> right? So, if we don't believe that God made the mountain or the, or the forest or the rivers, you know, who do you think? And so one of the things is when I see the mountains, I say, God, thank you. It's beautiful. You're an amazing artist, right? Um, there's a, one of my favorite songs from a Christian singer, uh, songwriter named Rich Mullins. He has a whole song, and it's called The Color Green, where he thanks God for the color green. <laughs> it's a beautiful song. He thanks God for a lot of things, but I just want to read you some of the lyrics. He says, Be praised for all your tenderness by these works of your hands, suns that rise and rains that fall to bless and bring to life your land. Look down upon this winter wheat 
and be glad that you've made blue for the sky and the color green that fills these fields with praise. Ah, the color green that fills the fields with praise. The blue sky. Praise is the right response. See, Rich is is singing back to God, thanking him for the beauty around him. And so the Samaritan, right, the one who returned, healed by Jesus, is reacting appropriately. And the question is, why did the nine not come back and say thank you? That's the question. N.T. Wright asked this, which then is the more surprising? The fact that the one person came back, shouted for joy, and fell down at Jesus' feet, or the fact that the nine didn't? Why don't we go back to say thank you? It's puzzling, isn't it? I feel like I'm the worst offender. God does something amazing in my life, and I'm embarrassed to think about the amount of times I don't say thank you. So I have a journal, and I've got this list of prayer requests. Is my list of thankfulness equally as long or longer? (laughs) Or, Or I keep praying, 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 and then when there's an answer to prayer, then I kind of just move on and I forget to go, you know. That's my list of thankfulness. Why don't we go back to say thank you? So I was pondering this and I was wondering, you know, maybe once life looks good, uh, we start operating in a mode where we don't need God anymore. It's like, God, to the side. Thank you for what you've given, but now we're done. And I thought of the vending machine. You know, maybe God is the great vending machine in the sky. And he gives us what we need. And we take a coin and we put it into the vending machine and we hit, you know, B3. (laughs) And the Snickers bar falls and we take it and we're good. Thank you for this service. (laughs) And then we walk away until, of course, we need him again. And then we go back to the same ritual. And there's a sense in which the nine who didn't return, they kind of have this vending machine faith, Right? Do you have a vending machine faith? Do I? Where we're only kind of coming to God for needs and then maybe half the time forgetting to even thank him for what he did? You know, sometimes the most grateful are the people who don't take God for granted. Have you ever met someone who is new to Jesus, new to Christianity? Maybe some of you think back to the moment when you started to explore more about God, more about Jesus, and all of a sudden you start to see how amazing this thing is. He did what at the cross, right? He forgives me? Like like the life of Jesus, they're learning, they're grateful, they're thankful. There's this beautiful journey that they're on. And many of us who've been Christians for decades have the potential of taking God for granted. We listen to them and we're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's great. That's good for you that you're experiencing that. And, but after decades, we, we, if we're honest, we're taking many of the blessings God has given us for granted. See, it's only the outsider, the Samaritan. He's the newcomer. He's the only one who is taking none of this for granted. It's like, this is amazing. <laughs> you get healed by Jesus. And the one, one thing I'm wondering is, are we more likely to take God's blessings for granted and grumble and complain the longer we follow him. For all of us who follow Jesus for decades, this is, we wanna tune in here. And I'd like to focus on grumbling and complaining. That sounds fun, hey? Let's focus on grumbling and complaining for a second. Many of you will be familiar with the Saturday Night Live character, Debbie Downer, played by Rachel Dratch. Debbie first, how many of you love Debbie Downer? 
Any Debbie Towner fans? None of you want to admit it? Put your hands up. Come on, okay, like three of you. Okay, well, let me introduce you to Debbie Downer. Debbie finds a way to grumble and complain about anything and everything. For every kind of positive perspective somebody offers in the skit, she likes to insert a negative perspective. She is great at grumbling. She's a pro at grumbling. And uh, the first time she showed up was 2004, and uh, uh, Lindsay Lohan was the guest that night for Saturday Night Live. Jimmy Fallon's in the skit, and they're pretending to be at Disneyland at a restaurant. And so let me just offer some quotes. Jimmy says, I love me some steak and eggs. And Debbie goes, ever since they found mad cow disease in the US, I'm not taking any chances. It can live in your body for years before it ravages your brain. <laughs> Lindsay Lohan says, I just made eye contact with Pluto, and he's coming over here. And Debbie says, must be fun to work here, although the biggest drawback to working in a theme park is that you must live under constant fear of deadly terrorist attacks. And the group is just like, Debbie, seriously. Like, <laughs> her and what's weird is this skit kind of took off because it's kind of like we see ourselves in Debbie, right? Like we see our instinct to kind of go negative very quickly. Um, and what she, you know, it's funny, but she, this is true to the human condition. We go straight to the glass being half empty. Our life is not a glass half full, it's half empty. In the book of Exodus, uh, the second book in the Bible, the people of Israel have been set free by God in a really powerful way. If you don't know the story, they were slaves in Egypt and God delivered them out of slavery um, in, a, in, in a powerful way and he leads them through a desert to their new home and this is a home that is going to flow with, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It sounds beautiful, right? But in the in-between place, they're in a desert, right? So we save them from slavery. They're on their way to something, somewhere beautiful, but they're in the desert. Now, the people left Egypt on the 15th day of the first month. We pick up the story on the 15th day of the second month. So they've been traveling in the desert for a total of one month. Okay, so they're in the desert for a month, and then we read this, Exodus 16. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now, they start grumbling because they're hungry. They're hungry. They're in the desert. They're running out of food, and they start to grumble. And they think back to being slaves in Egypt, and they remember that they sat around pots of meat. Now, I was reading that this week, and that sounded disgusting. Pots of meat. But then I thought, wait, hold on. What about the Chinese food concept of hot pot, right? Delicious, right? Hot pot? Come on. Okay, this is good. It's delicious, right? Hot pot. So the people of Israel in the desert, they're hungry, uh, and they're remembering the hot pot, right? But this just sounds better than pots of meat. So what, what, what are they forgetting? Say it louder. The, the slavery part, <laughs> yes. Like, you do remember you were slaves, right? Like, do you remember that part? I know you love your hot pot, but like you're free now. Um, and Israel is being a major Debbie Downer. Sure, God freed us from Pharaoh. God crushed the Egyptian army. God is leading us through the wilderness in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But where is the hot pot? And as, and as the story unfolds, God feeds his people in the desert. But what I want to do, it's a beautiful story about how God feeds them. But what I want to do is zero in on the grumbling, right? We grumble. And before we grumble, I was thinking about this, we make a sound. 
And some of you like to make a quick, they let out a quick breath. So it's like, <sighs> and some of you make a little T sound. It's like, <sighs> and some of you, it's just like a crescendo. It's just like, You know, it's, it goes up. Could you just take a second, turn to your neighbor, and share with them your pre-grumble noise? Please, share with them. All right. Now, now some of you may have turned to be like, I don't grumble, do I? Just you know, for the rest of you, I gave you your moment. This was your chance to have a good, crucial conversation with, your, with the person you care about. Yes, you do grumble, and it sounds like this. Um, if I looked at the last 10 things you shared on social media, uh, here's a creepy one. If I was hovering around your last 10 conversations, listening in, you know, what would I hear? You know, what would we see? Are we complaining? Are we grumbling? The people of Israel grumble against Moses and Aaron, but I want you to listen to Moses. He says something interesting. He says, you are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. This is key to this passage. We may think, oh, I'm just kind of being honest with a friend or a spouse or a coworker. And by the way, just so you know, there is a category of having good, honest discussions. You need to be open, open with your counselor, open with it. These are good things, right? But when it comes to grumbling and complaining, we need to feel the gravity of this. In what ways does some of our complaining and grumbling, it's actually against the Lord. There's a whole section on Thanksgiving in Ephesians 5, and I don't have time to go there at this moment, but pastor, the late pastor, British pastor, John Stott, writes this about Ephesians 5. He says, grumbling, one of Israel's besetting sins, is serious because it's a symptom of unbelief. Whenever we start moaning and groaning, it's proof positive that we're not filled with the Spirit. Whenever the Holy Spirit fills believers, they thank their Heavenly Father at all times for all things. Now, please know, this is not like a happy, clappy, you know, power of positive thinking message here. Not at all. We are going through hard things. You are going through hard things at your work, in your relationships, financially, right? It's okay to be honest about all of those things. But one of the most healing things is to take that one thing or two things or three things, whatever you're working through, in perspective with the wide amount of things God has done for you and me, right? And we hold it in this beautiful perspective and we just go, this is hard, no lie, this is hard, this is difficult. I need community around me, I need prayer, I need support, I need to be honest about some of these things. But what I'm gonna do is I'm going to fight these battles in a spirit of thanksgiving, knowing that God has been so good in the past. And I look back and I say, thank you. Thank you for the way in which you led me through that other mess. <laughs> and that gives me perspective when I think about this mess. And I believe that it's ex extremely difficult to give thanks and to sin at the same time. Now, I've brought this up multiple times at North Langley. Let me just say it again. It's like juggling, right? You can't, you can't do, it's, it's not impossible, but it's very difficult to give thanks and sin at the same time. Let me just give you one example. It is very hard to be truly thankful for your spouse and desire another one. 
It's not impossible, but it's very, very difficult, right? And now insert house, job, whatever it is. Thankfulness is a powerful weapon to heal us from temptation. Now, not only that, it is really good for us physically. Let me just take a quick second and, and show you. This is mind-blowing. Dr. Travis Bradbury is someone who seems to be a leader in the field of emotional intelligence. And he writes about the impact that grumbling and complaining has on our bodies, on our life. He says, it's important to understand how the brain works. Our brain loves efficiency and doesn't like to work harder than it has to. So when I repeat a behavior such as complaining, my neurons branch out to each other to ease the flow of information. Scientists like to say, Neurons that fire together, wire together. So the neurons grow closer and closer together, forming a permanent bridge in my brain. The bridge in my brain makes it much easier to complain in the future. So easy that sometimes I don't even know I'm complaining, right? And over time, it becomes easier and easier. If you cross that bridge, it becomes easier and easier to grumble. And the, and the terrifying moment arrives when we realize that grumbling has become our default setting in life. It's our default setting. Yikes. Let me read a little bit more from Dr. Bradbury. He writes this, quote, research from Stanford University has shown that complaining shrinks the hippocampus, an area of the brain that's critical to problem solving and intelligent thought. Damage to the hippocampus is scary, especially when you consider that it's one of the primary brain areas destroyed by Alzheimer's. When you complain, your body releases the stress hormone cortisol. Cortisol shifts you into fight or flight mode, directing oxygen, blood, and energy away from everything but the systems that are essential to immediate survival. One effect of cortisol, for example, is to raise your blood pressure and blood sugar so that you'll be prepared to either escape or defend yourself. All the extra cortisol released by frequent complaining impairs your immune system and makes you more susceptible to high cholesterol, diabetes, heart disease, and obesity. It even makes the brain more vulnerable to strokes. Now, I know that's intense, okay? And if you're experiencing any of these symptoms, please hear me very clear. I am not saying they're connected to complaining, okay? And the worst thing is to go use this with somebody else and say, yeah, y'all, you're complaining? And if you're experiencing this, right, that, that would be very bad, honestly. I mean it, right? All, all, I do, all I want to do is offering this is to go, wow, God cares about your body. <laughs> he cares about you, right? He loves you. And, and, and we need to see how big of a deal this is. Look how practical this is. This idea of worship, coming to worship, you're like, is it practice? Totally practical. You come to worship, you thank God. And there's a sense of healing that takes place. He cares about us. He cares about our minds. He cares about our hearts. And so let's be thankful. Let's come to God in worship with thankful hearts. How do we do that? Two quick thoughts from me. Number one, count your blessings and see all that God has done for you. Count your blessings. Um, it's so funny, when I wrote count your blessings, I tried desperately to figure out another way to say that. Because I grew up in like, you know, the. Christian art that says count your blessings, and I was always just like, nah, it felt cheesy, right? I don't know why, but um, some of you love that phrase, that's great. But uh, to me, I was just like, I grew up with that, count your blessings, you know, there's a little song, one by one, and you know. But I thought, no, 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 that's right, count them. Like literally count them. Okay, number one, thank you 
for the color green. <laughs> Number two, thank you for a blue sky. Number three, thank you. And then you start working with Count your blessings and see what God has done for you, right? And one of the places is if you're a little bit, if you don't know where to start, I would encourage you start at the cross. Start at the cross. You go to the cross of Jesus and say, whoa, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me from my sins. Jesus, thank you for taking my place. Thank you for... Uh, you know, defeating the powers of evil at the cross. Thank you for ransoming me out of slavery. Thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for your love that you poured out on the cross. You start with the cross and then start with the resurrection. And all of it, you begin to count, count the blessings. For example, and, and, and another way to do it is to go to scripture and to pick a passage from scripture and to see all of the blessings God has given you in the scriptures. And I want to give you an example of this. Um, Tuesday mornings here at the church at 6.30 a.m., you're welcome to come to a Bible study. <laughs> all of you are welcome. And I know I lost all of you at 6.30 a.m. But uh, some of you come on Tuesday mornings, and it's a nice time. We get in groups of three, and we study a book of the Bible. We're currently going through Ephesians. And this last week, uh, Andrew Ransom, uh, my friend, he's one of our elders at the church, he, he started um, the, the Bible study. And he, he was leading us in a study on Ephesians chapter 1, and, and the verse starts out, verse 3 says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Every spiritual blessing. It's like every spiritual blessing. What are those blessings? Well, Andrew showed us that in chapter 1, there's a ton of blessings that if you just pause and you go through it slowly, you're like, he did this for me. He did this for me. He's done this for us. So let me just read a few. Just in Ephesians 1, God has come and has chosen you. In love, he's adopted you into his family. He has freely poured out his grace on your life. Jesus is currently healing you and the world. We are included in Christ. We are saved by Jesus Christ. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit. We belong to God. He has an inheritance for you. He has redeemed you. Like all of that is in Ephesians 1. It's beautiful, right? And we begin to thank him. Even when life is so difficult, we start to thank him. And we count our blessings by looking around us, as I mentioned earlier. We see all of his good gifts. Listen to N.T. Wright. Our God is the giver of all things. Every mouthful of food we take, every breath of air we inhale, every note of music we hear, every smile on the face of a friend, a child, a spouse, all that and a million things more are good gifts from his generosity. So North Langley, would you count your blessings? Look around you. Look at the scriptures. See it, count it, add it up. And number two, in prayer and worship, let's practice saying thank you. Let's practice it. Sometimes we don't feel it, but let's just practice it. Uh, one of the disciplines that I've really enjoyed is early in the morning, uh, in my time with the Lord, uh, before I read the Bible, is to come in prayer. And before I start praying please things, that list of please could you do these things, trying to start with a list of thank you. Thank you for this, thank you, it's a discipline. And you'd be surprised, it's so crazy. I'm like, do I have something to be thankful for this morning? And then you start. And then you get going, and it's like you, you open that door, and you just keep going. It's just so fun, right? And noticing the little things he's done and the answers to prayer. It's been a great discipline that I've enjoyed. I'd encourage you to start it this week. Start writing it down. Even if you have a journal, that'd be great. But the other thing is coming into this room 
and, and singing and worshiping. And even if you're singing song, like the lyrics of the songs are up there, but just in your own mind, begin to go, God, I'm coming to worship and I wanna thank you for this. And then I wanna thank you for that. And then I wanna thank you for this. You just begin to practice thanksgiving. And I feel like he opens up our heart. He does a reorientation, a transformation of our heart. And so that we're filled with joy. See, I think thankfulness leads to joy. And if we want to be people of joy, let's practice thankfulness. We stand uh, with me here as we end? We're going to stand and we're going to do that now. North Langley, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And right now, our prayer team is going to be on the sides. Our, we have our prayer room in the back. If any of you would love to come forward for prayer, go to our prayer room. And you're just like, you know what? I would love to grow in thankfulness. You can approach our team for prayer. Also, for anything that's on your heart, a burden, right? Um, our team would love to pray for you. So just feel free to join them in prayer. But I want to end with this. Like my children who struggle to breathe, he has given you breath in your lungs, his ruach, his numa, right? He's given you his spirit so that you would live. So North Langley, let's be the ones who come back. There are nine who may not come back, but let's be the one who comes back. Let's come to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the life. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your love. Heal me of all grumbling. Heal me of all complaining. Open my eyes. Show me what you've done for me. And North Langley, would you just pray these words? They're on the screen from Psalm 136 as we end. Pray this with me. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His love endures forever.